You don't need a study to tell you that aging and fatigue go hand in hand. Nevertheless, my friends at Nutritional Therapeutics, makers of NT Factor, point to 16 studies, all peer-reviewed and published in medical journals, showing that NT Factor can reduce fatigue, while at the same time, age-related changes in the cells are reversed. For 30 years, the makers of NT Factor have worked to improve our health spans by focusing on the mitochondria, the energy powerhouses of our cells. Their science shows that NT Factor, which I don't go a day without and recommend to my patients, improves our energy and prevents the deterioration that accompanies aging. It promises that our day-to-day lives will be improved, and they keep proving it in studies that include placebo-controlled trials, both in the academic institutions and in medical practices like mine. You can find NT Factor at your favorite health food store or online retailer, or to order direct, go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Don't let tiredness and fatigue rob your senior years. Invest regularly in the anti-aging benefit of NT Factor at ntfactor.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's subject is herbal medicine, and we're talking to the guru of herbal medicine, uh, a guy who has been situated in the natural products industry for many, many decades. Uh, He's a personal colleague of mine, uh, dating back uh, many, many years, uh, founder and executive director of the American Botanical Council. Uh, which, by the way, is celebrating its 35th anniversary. Congratulations to Mark Blumenthal, uh, the founder and executive director, uh, who has more than 43 years of experience as an herbal advocate, consultant, educator, researcher, writer, and advisor. Uh, he is also editor-in-chief and publisher of Herbalgram, which is a peer-reviewed quarterly journal. Uh, and founder and director of something called the Botanical Adulterance Program, which is an important safeguard for quality of natural products. And Mark, if I read your entire uh, CV here, uh, we just run out of time for the whole interview. So (laughs) I'm going to plunge right ahead, uh, despite your many qualifications and accolades. Uh, And uh, I just want to offer you congratulations on the 35th anniversary of ABC, the American Botanical Council. Uh, it's a, and at a 40-year milestone of Herbalgram. It's, it's a great accomplishment. Thank you, Ron, and thank you. It's so good to hear your voice, and so good. thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time since we talked. used to be on your show uh, irregularly. Was it WAI, maybe? Was it? W-O-R, yes, W-O-R in New York, yeah. W-O-R, a former, sorry. I guess you're a former New Yorker, so you kind of... Harken back no, no, no. I'm, I'm from I'm from El I'm from El Paso, Texas, originally, but I lived in Austin on and off okay. since 1964, since I started college here. So, yeah. Well, well great. Okay, so uh, t- talk to us a little bit about uh, the the evolution. First of all, uh, the big elephant in the room. The key question: Is it herbal medicine or is it herbal medicine? What say you? Uh, we don't aspirate the age, but it's herbal medicine. Uh, in England, it's herbal with a, you know, you can hear the H. Okay. Um, it's a but, you say you know, toma- tomato and, and I say tomato, you know, kind of And yeah, we right? talk about plant-based medicine, uh, botanical medicine, but we also include, like in Chinese traditional medicine, they include fungi uh, in herbal medicine, but 
uh, they are not traditional, uh, typically botanicals because, as you know, in the uh, categorization of biology, fungi are a totally different kingdom, or mm-hmm. as they want to say kingdom, not to use a, a gender-based term. Ne- so, neither yeah. plant nor animal, but a separate and distinct uh, kingdom. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, uh, uh, fungi DNA is reportedly closer to animal DNA than it is to plant. Wow. Well, talk to us a little bit about uh, your personal journey uh, and the evolution of herbal medicine, because uh, I know you from the time we can hearken back to when uh, teas and tinctures were the things. And, you know, when you wanted to use an herbal thing, you, you know, made you brewed a tea or perhaps you got a a tincture that was an alcohol or glycerin. Uh, And now, you know, we've progressed to standardized extracts where we uh, extract uh, the potent uh, constituents of plants, uh, and it's there's really been an evolution in and a revolution in herbal medicine, right? Yes, and if I may, just to clarify, uh, I think I appreciate you were reading some information on my bio. This is actually my fiftieth year okay. in the herbal in the herbal industry and community. Although when I say industry, I'm not in the commercial side of the industry. I'm in the nonprofit domain. Um, my evolution, people always ask about. I, in 1968, I was graduating from college, and uh, short, long story short, I basically became a vegetarian as a protest against the Vietnam War at that time. As did many basically, of us. Yeah, that was a, that was yeah. the thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, became a vegetarian because you didn't want to be involved with the killing of life of life forms, animals. And you didn't want to pay somebody else to do the dirty work for you, so we became vegetarians. And at that time, we went to the health food stores. Nineteen sixty-eight, the health there were very there were no natural food stores like Whole Foods today. You know, it was like there were pill shops with foods for special dietary use, like for people with diabetes and hypertension. You know, with low sodium diets, and but they would have these wall of Select and Alveda teas on the wall which had all these herbs in them, these herbal teas, and with stuff like burdock root, and beside mint and chamomile, they had hibiscus and burdock and all these different things that I'd never seen before. And they would have books for sale and literature that was all based on traditional folkloric uses of botanicals. No science. There was very little science being done back in the 60s on botanicals, and what was being done was the advent that was, was being done in Western Europe. The first standardized herbal extract that I think you mentioned I think it came about in like 1968, which was the, the development of ginsana. The, I think the, the ginseng extract was standardized to ginsenicides at 4%, uh, made by a company in uh, the Italian part of Switzerland. So the idea of the standardization of extracts, which some people misunderstand, it's not like you're taking stuff out of the extract or the herb. You're basically just basically guaranteeing certain parts of the uh, spectrum of botan- of chemicals, the, the naturally occurring chemicals, uh, either for quality control purposes to help ensure that this is in fact the right herb, and or and or there enough of the right herb from a standardization, so it's chemically defined that a certain natural constituent or group of comp- similar compounds are there. An example of which might be berberine from Oregon grape root, right? Because, uh, you know, you can get the herb and that has a you know spectrum of things, but the Correct. key ingredient that we're targeting and standardizing to and assaying is, is berberine, which you know, has, has gained a lot of popularity right. and traction. 
Right, and they, and that's what often golden seal extracts are standardized to. But there's also canadine and uh, other uh, you know, other uh, what they call isoquinolone alkaloids, which are basically these compounds that have similar chemical structures. And so, basically, standardization came about through uh, for two reasons. One was for quality control purposes, and one was also for clinically therapeutic purposes because uh, there was enough there there of, of some of the pharmacologically active compounds to have a, a pharmacological effect and when we say when we talk about herbal medicines we don't talk about active ingredient that's a very uh, medical pharmaceutical reductionist kind of concept there are multiple active ingredients working and swimming around in herbal teas and herbal extracts and capsules and tablets uh that multiple have multiple uh, effects and there's a synergy and additive effects as well so herbs gets the herbs get very chemically complex but i think we're moving into a different direction but the p- bottom line for the original question was i started out as a vegetarian and then started looking at herbal as uh, and wild food wild edible plants as a hobby and eventually i started a business after i moved back from new mexico i lived up near taos new mexico in the early 70s on what was a commune at the time i lived off the grid for several years with no water no electricity that uh, and basically got to appreciate uh, the natural world at a level that I never had before at the age of uh, 25 or 26 when I moved back to Austin. And I eventually started a wholesale herb company and started wholesaling herbs to health food stores and food co-ops back in 1974. So it was 50 years ago this year when I started an herb business. And after 12 years or so, I moved into more of the education uh, research advocacy quality control ethics uh area of the herbal community which is where we are today with the uh, non-profit american botanical council so in in answer to critics of uh, the industry they say well you know you never know what you're getting because it's not standardized at least when you get a drug it's one purified chemical uh that is uh, assayed standardized and uh and approved by the fda uh, what say you? I think your your organization, uh, the American Botanical Council, and some of the projects that you've undertaken is sort of the best retort to that argument, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's a first of all, let me just say there's a lot of good companies that are run by ethical people that are responsible, that care about the quality of the ingredients they put in their products, they care about how they process those materials into consumer products, and they ultimately they care about a beneficial effect. For the uh, and, be, and overall benefit for the health of their customer, there's a lot of good people out there, and yet there's also people out there who are more concerned about the business and making money, and less concerned about the quality. And this is not new. Uh, uh, we so we started this uh, organ this program you mentioned it earlier called the Botanical Adulterants Prevention Program. And now I think we're now in our 14th year, and this is something that the American Botanical Council with several other nonprofit organizations, including the American Herbal Pharmacopeia and the National Center for Natural Products Research at the University of Mississippi, which is a U.S. FDA-funded center of excellence dealing with analysis of botanical supplements and ingredients going into botanical supplements and developing laboratory analytical methods on how to analyze uh, those those ingredients. Uh, that's FDA-funded at, at, at Ole Miss. There are partners in the Botanical Adulterants Prevention Program. We call it BAP with two Ps for short. And what we do is we've published now, I think, 84 
peer-reviewed documents and made them available free access on our website at herbalgram.org for anybody in the world, in industry, in academia, uh, in government agencies, uh, regulatory agencies that can access our material that are heavily peer-reviewed, up to 25, 30 peer reviewers for one of our technical documents on how to be careful for different medicinal plants, different herbal medicine materials, different herbs that are ingredients that are subject to adulteration and fraud in the marketplace globally and how legitimate, responsible, ethical manufacturers can be sure to not buy adulterated material. And let me just say, uh, this adulteration and fraud thing that goes on occasionally uh, in the world has been going on for thousands of years. The first article we published, which is, a, again, available on our website at herbalgram.org, goes through the history of the adulteration of herbs, spices, and botanical mm-hmm. drugs going back to Greco-Roman times sure. 2,000 years ago. So people cheat, and it's just part of society and part of uh, uh, part of our culture, unfortunately. And we provide the tools for responsible members of the industry, of which there are many, so they can make sure that they are accessing and uh, purchasing and utilizing uh, authentic herbal medicine materials. Yeah, it kind of harkens back to when the spice uh, caravans uh, traversed, yeah. uh, you know, from Asia to uh, uh, the, the classical world, you know, ancient Rome and Greece, you know, where they, uh, they found all kinds of things that uh, had come you know, precious things from the Orient, you know, uh, it sounds right. like, and, and by the way, and they would sometimes put sand in the cinnamon to, to increase its weight or something. Right. That, that's why one of the first, one of the first tests going back 2000 years for some of these things was called the ash test. They would burn the herbal material or the spice and see what left, what inorganic material was left over because the sand wouldn't burn. And it was like one of the um, macroscopic type of organoleptic type of testing procedures procedures you know burn the stuff and see if there's any rocks or sand in there uh as a because they it was commonplace back then for people to cheat by you know adding to the weight well it sounds like you know several things can go wrong when it comes to herbal products one is that the ingredient is inherently harmful and it hasn't been recognized that there's some potential harm and another is that uh a st- inferior ingredient has been substituted or, you know, diluted. So you're really not reaching uh, potency. Um, another is that the label claim, you know, they say it delivers X amount, but it doesn't really deliver the right amount. Uh, so uh, how do you safeguard against that? And, you know, what are some examples? Okay. So there's, there's a lot of there, there, a lot of questions. First of yep. all, um, there are many, like I said, there's many good companies that really have very robust quality control laboratories in their buildings, in their b- companies that do exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about is making to check to make sure, A, it's the right material. It is the herb that is labeled and not something else. To check for contamination and impurities and to check for the, uh, the potency. I mean, that's, and that's required by federal law. There are GMPs, good manufacturing practices that are required by federal law of all all manufacturers and suppliers of botanicals in interstate commerce. And they have to look for the first question that they have to look at. The first job one is in quality 
is identity. Is it the right stuff? It's one thing to go to Whole Foods or the grocery store somewhere and know a difference between an apple and an orange. But when you're dealing with powders or with extracts, uh, it's not that easy to tell what's what. And you have to, and there's a whole series of type tests, the macroscopic tests with visual, uh, microscopic tests with, with microscopes, chemical tests with like high performance liquid chromatography machines and all kinds of others that companies utilize to help ensure that the material that they are buying, if they're buying a couple of barrels of something to put into a capsule or a tablet, uh, that those, that that material is what it claims to be and it doesn't, it's not, uh, contaminated and, uh, it, uh, it will deliver hopefully on the promise or the implied or, ex- uh, or ex- uh, expressed, you know, the claim that the company is making for the product if, if they have a structure function claim on their label and their, or in their marketing. It's, it's not facile. Uh, there's, there's hundreds of different medicinal, herbal medicines and herbal products out there in the marketplace, the ingredient ingredients alone. And uh, it's a big job. And that's one of the reasons why we did the, the Botanical Adultance Prevention Program is to help in, help act as like an extension of the quality control programs of these companies, those who choose to look at our stuff. And again, it's available for free. Uh, it's, it's, we are, we're, we're funded uh, through that program, through the generous support of the ethical and responsible companies in, in, in the industry, not only in the United States, but internationally. We're, it's an international program. It's the largest international program in the world dealing with providing peer-reviewed information to help ensure that companies know uh, what to look for and what to be careful of and how to properly evaluate in the laboratory. Uh, uh, botanical materials because some of the adulterators, the fraudsters, let's call them what they are, the criminals in wherever they are, they could be in China or whatever, if they're making, they're making extracts that sometimes are adulterated and standardized in such a way that is intended to fool or to trick the prevalent analytical methods that are being employed mm-hmm. right. in industry and government quality yep. control laboratories. No, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a little they're bit trying like, to game the system. It's a little bit like drug testing uh, for athletes. You know, it's, it's, there's sort of a technological race to stay ahead of the detection methods, and uh, some of these companies are pretty Correct. crafty. I think that it's possible that the they're last right. time— They can be very crafty. I think that this was actually the subject of our interview the last time I talked to you several years ago when uh, your namesake, uh, Attorney General Richard Blumenthal, who now I guess is a senator, um, uh, announced kind of a a bust uh, where they used, uh, I think, a kind of a a suspicious – uh, modality to to check for the potency and that you really weren't using uh, comprehensive testing when they came up with the conclusion that that the material was adulterated or you know basically a bunch of uh, rice bran I, if I may, I think that you may and I, I don't know Richard Blumenthal my name sake so we may or may not be related I don't know Common name. Uh, I would love to I would love to meet him someday uh, Senator Blumenthal uh, Give me a call. I am or <laughs> happy to talk to you. Uh, however, or I should say cousin, Senator Blumenthal, who knows? I think what you may be referring to, Ron, is the actual Eric Schneiderman's. Ah, uh, uh, yes, right. Former, that was New York. That was New York, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, the former attorney general of New York, under his watch, they basically came out with a report that was uh, uncritically 
reported in the New York Times, the paper of record, which I read every day and I have for years. Uh, but unfortunately, the New York Times got it wrong. And so did uh, Attorney General Schneiderman. What they did is they did DNA testing on a number of herbal material products off the shelf from various retail outlets. And they found that according to the testing that they did, that the results did not meet what the label claim of for the uh, identity of the material. And they went without retesting, without doing any kind of controls, without really doing this scientifically, they went and actually published this through the New York Times, uh, their results, and it was a big, it was all over NPR. and it's like, like science press by press release, kind of, right? Yeah. You, you got it. And, what ha- and here's what happened. They went to a fellow, and I forgot which university was, who was a paleontologist or, or an ornithologist. <laughs> right. Who was not even a medicinal plant expert, and they used DNA testing. And by the way, plants have more sophisticated DNA than animal DNA, according to my genetic expert friends. So they took somebody who did not have experience with testing plant material and or process plant material, because when you do extracts, sometimes you kill the DNA through heating and yep. other things, and sure. the DNA is unstable when you get fragments of DNA. Mm-hmm. So DNA testing has its limitations. And also DNA testing can't tell you which part of the plant you're testing. It can only give you the, the identity of the DNA for that plant. But if somebody's got leaf material or leaf extract, for their ashwagandha or ginseng uh, added to the root extract when people think they're buying the root, DNA testing can't tell you that. Chemical testing will, and or if it's a powder, uh, microscopic analysis can tell. So it depends on how you analyze it. But what happened is, bottom line, Eric Schneiderman, the now I think uh, retired and maybe even disgraced at former Attorney General of New York, yes. with no disrespect, yeah. um, basically got it wrong, but it cost a huge public furor, millions of dollars of uh, testing and uh, products being pulled from shelves. And even though they could have gotten it right, if they'd come to talk to us first, and we could show them what's being that what we know is being te- uh, adulterated, because we have we have we compile and collect all these uh, uh, papers that are published in the scientific literature from around the world and all these scientific journals. We know what's being tested. We know what's coming out, uh, you know, what's, what herbs are subject to adulteration. We don't know the extent of the adulteration. Uh, that's, that's another issue. We're working on a paper on that. But we know what's being adulterated. They didn't do that. And here's one other thing that I... And by the way, the, the, Times could have, the Times reporter could have picked up the phone and, and, and talked to you. It was kind of an authoritative person. He did, actually. He did. Yeah, Anahad O'Connor did call me, and we did get mentioned in the article, I believe, one of the articles, and uh, and I've met with him, and we've talked about this. Uh, however, it turned out that they basically had to retract, uh, the, the, the New York Attorney General had to basically uh, eat crow and basically re- admit eventually, after several years, that they got it wrong. Uh-huh. However... The New York Times has never published a retraction. And it was a front page story. I think it may have been above the fold, as they say. So this was a big, this was big news and they pushed it as big news. And Schneiderman did it for whatever reasons or political or otherwise. And maybe he thought it was legitimate. You know, I don't know what his thinking was and it, you know, it doesn't matter at this point. 
but the fact is they got it wrong. They tested it wrong. They didn't use the reliable. And they didn't do what is one of the basic tenets of science, controlled experimentation. Where is your control to confirm the results that you've initially come out with? Can you confirm that with another test? To con- this? And that's necessary in science. And science is about that and peer review. And it was not peer reviewed properly. And this, again, so you call it science by tra- press release. It, it, it's virtually that problem. And But it, it caused a, a lot of problems. However, there was one benefit out of that, in all fairness. And what that is, that took quality control issues to the executive suite. Mm-hmm. Whereas in some companies that where the executives do care about quality control, and some other companies they, they maybe had, had did not until uh, things started hitting the fan uh, based on that New York Times expose. That they, was, might, they might have cut corners without the uh, high-profile uh, case yeah. that uh, publicizes. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, good. Well, they may, they didn't weren't paying attention enough to actually maybe resource their quality control regimen to the level that it should be. Okay, good good point at which to pause because we laid down the groundwork for our discussion in part two. In part two, I want to actually focus on some of your work uh, looking at uh, specific herbs. Uh, we'll mention uh, the website. Uh, the first of all, a, a great resource uh, is uh, the Herbalgram. Uh, it's a quarterly journal, uh, which is uh, really great science about uh, natural products. Uh, and also uh, the American Botanical Council. What's the website there so that people can learn about it? Herbalgram.org. H-E-R-B-A-L-G-R-A-M. Herbalgram. My telegram.org. Okay. Good stuff. And uh, when we return, more on the subject of natural herbal products with today's guest, Mark Blumenthal, founder and executive director of the ABC, the American Botanical Council. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.